the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. This morning, Kettering, I want to invite our attention to Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, and we'll begin our reading Verse 21, the word of the Lord reads as follows. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and he said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we invite your presence into this place that you might speak, God, a holy word that would change someone's eternal destiny. Some word, God, through these lips of clay that would cause someone to realize that you have them in mind this morning. Your desire is to bring them out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Your desire, God, is that they would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. God, speak a word in this place, a word of encouragement that would draw someone who's drifting in their fellowship back into a strong and and right relationship with you. God, speak through these lips of clay, a word that would edify this body, a word that would lift up someone who walked in downtrodden today. God, speak a word that we need to hear on this day for this occasion. Speak a word, God. So, Lord, we look forward with expectation to what you're going to do. I'm yielding and leaning on you, God. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your clarity of speech and thought. That the words that you have deposited in my mouth might come out in such a way that they would glorify you. So bless yourself today, God. And let the word of God be of encouragement and strength and life for all who hear it. It's in Jesus' name I pray and I thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name, amen. In this 
particular text, Jesus has met this woman of Canaan, woman who is of the region of Tyre and Sidon, and this woman begins to cry out unto him with a request for mercy on behalf of her daughter who is severely demon-possessed. This woman, even though she goes through all of this, she knows who she is and what she needs from the Lord. She's not moved away from what she wants and who she is by the reactions and the responses that she gets. I want to begin a series of messages from the idea You matter. On this morning, out of this text, I want to talk from the subject matter, know who you are. I'll begin by saying, if you don't know who you are, you're subject to have someone else tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, you'll spend much of your life wandering around trying to discover who you are. In fact, I've heard people even say that. I'm trying to find myself. My thought is, before you leave home, you need to know yourself. Because if you haven't found yourself before you leave home, there's some stuff out there that will shape you and mold you into who you never were designed to be. As a result of this request of this woman here in the text, there is first and foremost a troubling reaction. This Gentile woman who has no rights, no privileges, no legal justification to be able to approach a prophet, a priest, a king, a preacher, a teacher of Israel, her being a Gentile, nonetheless approaches him anyway with a desperate plea or request of him on behalf of her daughter who is severely demon-possessed. As she approaches him, she approaches him very respectfully. As we look there in the text, it says Jesus He had departed from this region, and behold, this woman of Canaan came from the region. She cries out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She gives him the respectful messianic address. She says, first of all, Lord, not Lord as in just gentleman Lord, but Lord as in God Almighty. Then she follows that by addressing him as son of David, which is in essence to say one who is born of the royal blood of David, one who is in the line of royalty, one who is born according to the scripture, who is very God, but at the same time, very man. I know that you are the Messiah. Lord, have mercy on me. In spite of her respectful approach, his reaction is troubling. The text says, Verse number 23, his response, which I view as troubling, a troubling reaction to all of what she's just poured out before him, he answers her not a word. Wait a minute, Pastor. This is Jesus who's been walking through the streets and preaching and teaching the good news of God. This is Jesus who's been healing the sick and raising the dead. And this is Jesus who is compassionate to all, this very Jesus doesn't answer this woman a word. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm thinking to myself, if no one else would have answered, surely Jesus would have answered. But Jesus doesn't answer her. His reaction to her is that he doesn't say a word. And how many know that sometimes when you're in your deepest time of need, people 
won't answer you a word. When you're in your deepest time of despair, when you need somebody the most, oftentimes you call out to a friend or a family member or someone and they block your number. They ignore your text. But even worse than that, you can cry out to God and sometimes even God doesn't answer you a word. And as troubling as this reaction is, his disciples add insult to injury. Because after he doesn't answer her, the text says, his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away. For she cries out after us. These are troubling reactions to this request this woman has. Jesus, the Messiah, doesn't answer her. And the disciples say, send her away. She's worrying us. She's bothering us. She's making too much noise, crying out after us. We don't have time for this. The troubling responses. But this woman knows who she is. And it doesn't move her. It doesn't shake her. It doesn't change her sense of direction. Listen, no matter who sends you away, No matter who doesn't respond to you and doesn't react the way you think they ought to react, don't let that change knowing who you are. Because sometimes the way people respond or react to your need may affect the way you think about who you are. But don't let their response or their reaction change the knowledge of who you are. Listen, verse 24 picks up and it says, But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him. When Jesus finally does respond, he gives an answer, but the answer is a traumatizing answer. I mean, sometimes the answer folk give make you wish they hadn't answered at all. His first answer is, I'm only sent here for the Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, sorry, you don't meet the qualifications. You don't fall under my umbrella of service. I didn't come here to help you out. Matter of fact, you were born on the wrong side of the track. You were born to the wrong family. You were born of the wrong nationality. You were born in a position that I can't help you. Well, what? I don't qualify because of my birth position? And now you're a theological apologetic. In other words, if you like to argue the scripture, this is a good time to argue with God. God, you made me. You put me in this Gentile body. And now you turn around and tell me I'm not qualified and you only came here to save the Jews. You only came here to minister to them and I don't fall under the umbrella. Answer like this will traumatize most folks. This lady's not moved. She's not moved because she knows who she is. Watch what she does. After he gives this answer, which will cause most people to turn their back and probably say a few words on their way. Verse 25, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Instead of her being pushed away, instead of her changing who she thought she was, now she continued to press her way towards him And she bowed down and worshipped him. Hold on, Pastor. You're trying to tell me that this woman who's a Gentile, whose daughter is severely demon-possessed, whom Jesus has just ignored, whom her disciples have said, send her away, even after Jesus does respond and traumatizes her with a response that says, you're not qualified to be 
help. She bows down and worships him? Yes. Because when you know who you are, nobody's going to change your worship. No answer is going to change your worship. No response is going to change your worship. She knows who she is, and she worships him anyhow because she knows not only who she is, but she knows who he is. And If you know who you are, if you know you're connected to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and if you know that you are submissive to him, go ahead and worship him. I'm trying to help you here because he's going to work things out. When you bow in worship. And so she falls down and she worships him. And then he answers a second time. Now his second answer is more traumatizing than the first. This woman, while she's worshiping him, she says to him again, Lord, help me. God, help me. God, I know that I'm a Gentile. I know that you said I'm not qualified. You didn't come here for me. But Lord, help me. The me I know I am. Help me, Lord. Help me that's a child of the living God. Help me that you made in your image and and after your likeness. Help me whom you put into the family that Moses declared would be part of the nation that would provoke Israel to jealousy. Help me. Then Jesus gives the second response, which I said is more traumatizing than the first. He says, but it's not good. Take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Can I translate? Jesus calls her a dog. Not just a dog, undeserving dog. It's not good to take the bread that belongs to the children and throw it to the little dogs. Watch this. Now, now this is an odd kind of conversation because she's having a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord has just issued this statement that could be traumatizing. And he says, it's not good to to take the bread that belongs to children and throw it to the, the little dogs. You're an undeserving little dog. Why would I give the bread to you? Because this woman knows who she is. She has what I call a true sense of herself. Picks up in verse 27. Then she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Watch this. She responds, yep, I'm a dog in the sense that I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And Jews always referred to Gentiles as dogs. And so she acknowledges, watch this, yes, I am a dog in that sense that I'm not a Jew. However, yet even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This is an excellent answer. You can't give a better answer than this. Because the answer that she gives that gives us the knowledge that she has a good sense of who she is. I know that in in the spectrum of how Jews refer the Gentiles, I qualify for the title of being a little dog. However, that might be what I am, but that's not who I am. And so she says, watch this, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the table. This appeal hits on two different levels. First of all, she hits him back in, in her appeal on the sense that she expands or puts an extension to the analogy that he uses of giving bread to dogs. Okay, since we want to use that analogy, well, I acknowledge I'm a dog. I'll even acknowledge I'm a little dog, but I'm going to expand in this. Even the little dogs get crumbs that fall. So she caught them right there. 
Even the little dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So in other words, even though he's saying to her, you're not qualified to have this, she says, I'm not asking for the whole loaf. Just let me catch some crumbs. Then she takes it to another level, theologically speaking. Theologically speaking, the way her answer hits theologically is because even though you were sent to Israel and Israel was your preferred and Israel was your first, Exodus chapter 12, verse 37 and 38 says, when you brought Israel out of bondage in Egypt, the Bible says that there was there with the Israelites a mixed multitude of dogs. Watch this. She knew who she was. He, in essence, has disqualified her. And she says, no, let me take you back theologically to the history of the dogs. When your nation, Israel, came up out of Egypt, some of us dogs came out with them. Even when you let the, the, the manna rain down from heaven on your chosen generation, some of us dogs was there too to get some of that manna from heaven. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that when we all came out, we all came out under the cloud, Jews and dogs. When we came out, we all walked through the Red Sea, Jews and dogs. When we came out, we all ate the same spiritual bread, Jews and dogs. When we came out, we all drank the same spiritual water, Jews and dogs. So, yeah, I'm a dog, but I need you to understand something, Jesus. I'm a dog that's part of the mixed multitude. I'm a dog that's part of those that you've already fed. I'm a dog that's part of those that you've already been blessing. And even if I don't get the whole amount, all I'm asking for is just a little bit from the master's table. So go ahead and call me what you want, but I know who I am. I'm part of the mixed multitude. I'm part of those that's entitled to the blessing of God. And even though I'm not the chosen one, I'm still part of the group. She lays it out. She's got a true sense of who she is. So her appeal moves Jesus to the point that he says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And from that hour, her daughter, who was severely demon-possessed, was made whole. This is really amazing. This woman comes to Jesus and she initially gets a troubling reaction. He doesn't answer her a word. His disciples say, send her away. Then when he does answer, his answers are traumatizing to her. You're just a dog and I wasn't sent to the dogs. But yet because she knew who she was, she stayed the course. She worshiped him. She continued to ask her petition of God because she mattered to God. And when he healed her daughter, it proved that she mattered to him. And when she laid out the text and says, even the dogs get some of the crumbs from the master's table, she let him know that I'm qualified. Lord, have mercy. I matter to you. And so he blessed her. And as it turns out, Jesus' reaction and his answers were not so much to condemn her but more to challenge her to see where her faith was. Most people would have taken those answers and responses as, as a condemnation. They would have felt like God was condemning me. And then they would have started looking inside and say, oh, what was me? What's wrong with me? God won't help me. No, he, he wasn't trying to condemn her. He was trying to challenge her. 
He wanted to see where her faith was. Can I talk to somebody here this morning? Maybe God hadn't answered you. Maybe you've been praying the same prayer every week at the altar. and He hasn't answered you a word. Maybe it seems like God has gone silent on you. Nothing has changed in the situation that you're going through. And maybe people are telling you, leave, just leave God alone. Stop praying the same old prayer. You know, the highly spiritual, sanctified folk are saying, well, once you prayed, just stop asking God because you're worrying him. He already knows what you need. Maybe it has gone silent and maybe you feel traumatized by even your faith in God, your relationship with God. Because the answers that you're getting are not the answers that you want. Maybe God is testing your faith. To see if your faith in God will equal who you are to God. Because who you are to God is special. You matter to God. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he died for you. He gave his life for you. And he just wants to know, do you trust me? To do for you what you need. Doesn't mean he's going to do it in five minutes, today or tomorrow. But will your faith hold on when you don't get the answer that you want? For this woman, she kept persevering. Watch this. Will you worship me when I say you don't qualify? Or will you pack up and go home? Call it quits. She didn't call it quits. No, she pressed her way into his presence and she worshiped him. Because her faith in God was stable, even though she was a Gentile, even though she was outside the ark of the Israelite family. Her faith was strong. In fact, it was so strong that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, says to her, great is your faith. Do you realize Jesus only said this to three people in the whole Bible? This one Gentile woman is one of them. Great is your faith. And he says, as a result of your faith, because you persevered, because you knew who you were, your daughter is healed. Can you imagine God working in your life like that? Maybe the reason why he's silent, maybe the reason you haven't received the answer that you want is because he's challenging your faith to grow. He's challenging you to know who you are. If you're already born again, you ought to know who you are. You are of a royal priesthood. You are of a holy nation. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, access to the throne room of God. You've got freedom to worship, freedom to talk, freedom to access. You've got the name of God. You've been adopted into the family through the blood of the Lamb. You're a full-blown child of God. But you need to know who you are. Just because somebody calls you this or that, that doesn't make it true. Just because they say this or that, don't let it change who you know you are. And if you're not a child of God, you need to really know who you are too. Because right now, as not being a child of God, you're a child of the devil. Oh, no, pastor, don't say that. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. That's who your father is, the devil. But you have an opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. Why? Because he loves you so much that he died for you too. And he wants you to come into his family. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should have everlasting life. 
and he made provisions for you that you might have everlasting life. All you need to do is confess your sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. Ask what you need of him. What do I need of him? I need everlasting life. I need to be saved from my sin because this sin is going to condemn me to a hell that I can't get out of. And all I'm asking you today is to respond to who you are. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.